Hello and welcome to the Lo-Fi podcast from Lo-Fi Studios, situated in the very centre of Glasgow. Give us a call on 01412485050 or check out lofistudios.com to find out more. Today we're joined by the lovely Siobhan Wilson, fantastic singer, guitarist, piano player, songwriter, you name it. Every time I watch her play, it's like a unique drop in and the place would just, it, it shuts up, it's amazing, it's fantastic watching her. And it's lovely to sit down and have a wee chat with her. So enjoy this little chat. Hello. 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 Fun. Have you started? Oh yeah. What? When did you start? I'm not telling you. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Not that long ago. Cause you just have to press space bar and it's just like it just looks like you're well, I'm just getting everything set up, but no, already started. Now I have to put on my shiny voice. <laughs> uh, the microphone. Uh, Hi. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Is that your microphone voice? Yeah. yeah. Oh god. I, it's I, not I, I go lower. Normally I just go, you know, just uh that nice deep uh, you know. Welcome to the uh, HelloFi podcast. <laughs> today we have Siobhan Wilson. How are you doing today, Siobhan? Hi, I'm fine. <laughs> oh. it's, um, it's just on stage. If, there's, if there are a lot of people in front of me and all of a sudden I just kind of like, you know when you're just sound checking and the room's empty? Yeah. And you go to actually play and all of a sudden you're like, Oh, there are actually people in this room. Like, you get hit with that sudden... I'm always, like, overwhelmed that there are people there. And it doesn't help that go, when... Uh, ah, generally, when, you, when you're when you playing, everybody kind of just shuts up because you are very quiet and, you know, and everything's very soft and everybody has to kind of just go, oh, well, oh we, need to, we need to be quiet now. You know, not unlike me, who just belts things out. People are like, well, we can still talk and hear them. You know, it's, it's yeah. fine. <laughs> You can't really do that when you're singing because it's 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 much more genteel. Yeah, it always surprises me at gigs like you know, like quiet, folky gigs or acoustic singer songwriter type gigs that there's like people in the audience that just chat through it anyway. Oh, it's like yeah. they've never been to a gig before or something, and they just don't know that it's. Not okay. Like they're not doing it on purpose. They're trying to be mean. They're out, sort of on a Friday night, out to get drunk, have a pint, and just yelling over the main act or something. Yeah, it's the the worst one I ever saw was uh, on a Saturday night. It was Matthew Cause from Nada Surf, and you know he was just playing acoustic guitar and singing, but it was in block. It was a free show, and the place was full of people just there a drink, mm-hmm. and it was very bizarre. There was like maybe twenty of us, like right up the front listening mm-hmm. and the rest of the pub is full of people just having a Saturday night yeah I and guess it's really odd I suppose like block's great for that because you know it's going to be you know it's going to be like that yeah so that's like that's the fun in block isn't it do you ever call out people that are talking during your while you're playing I'd never dream of being so impolite as like to actually call somebody out on 
talking during my gig because although it make my life easier to perform in complete silence, I think it's unreasonable to actually... It's one thing to prefer performing in a certain way. It's another thing to expect people to behave in the exact way that you would like, you know. And so I would just completely ignore that if it was happening and it wouldn't... It would be a new challenge to not let that affect my performance. Does it still affect you every time somebody's... You can, when you can hear it? It affects me more, to be honest, when I'm in the audience watching a quiet gig and people are just chatting around me. No, I suppose, yeah, because you're not, you're not focusing on performing or anything like that. You're just mm-hmm. trying to enjoy a performance and just something. Yeah, whereas when you're actually performing and stuff and singing out, it's almost like there's not time to think about yeah. little things like that that annoy you. And then at the end of the day, you kind of want everybody to have a nice night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if have, it you, was... have you ever called out MD at a gig that you were watching for a... Have you ever just gone, oh, come on, will you just shut up? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Quite a few times, but I wouldn't say I've called them out. I've just kind of walked up to them, tapped them on the shoulder and been like, hi. (laughs) (laughs) Got on the voice. (laughs) (laughs) Sort of. Really kind of just pleaded with them. Like, please, I've bought a ticket for this. And all I can hear is you, you know... Is there any chance that you could maybe not talk as loud? And every single time they've been like, oh, yeah, sure, sorry. Do you think it is just a a case of people who don't go to gigs very often that don't get that it's not okay? I think so, yeah. They're not aware at all that it's decreasing other people's enjoyment Mm -hmm. of the show. I don't think that they're doing it maliciously or selfishly. You know, and on the same level, maybe they can't understand why I would just want to sit there in silence for an hour. Yeah. Which I'd be quite happy <laughs> doing, you know. I suppose that is, uh, especially if if it's something where you a show where you're attracting more people that aren't necessarily, uh, like, big music listeners. You know, mm. if, it's, if it's a more commercially successful artist you're going to attract a wider range of people, more people that aren't used to sitting through shows all the time. Yeah, like festivals and yeah. things like that. Yeah. People mm. that aren't necessarily just there for the music. Festivals are totally different vibe though, isn't it, really? Because mm-hmm. you're, like, playing to the sky. So, like, from being <laughs> <laughs> being on the stage and that from that perspective... Like, if people are sort of chatting away on a field, mm-hmm. it just disappears somewhere into, like, the whole of the, the air of the sky. But if you're in, like, a closed venue, then it bounces off mm-hmm. all the walls. And it's like that becomes the noise. Like, there's a difference between that sort of chatter and mm-hmm. then... And the kind of general festival background, that kind of background hum yeah. that you get from all over. Yeah. It's more like a, a pleasant hum, isn't it? Well, it, it, on the is, it is because uh, you know it's that kind of uh, that kind of way that festivals are, where everyone's just on a really nice vibe. Maybe mm-hmm. it's because usually people are, uh, are are on holiday, you know. In some respect, they're taking time off. Everything's great, 
Yeah. They've got themselves into a good mood for being there, which they might not necessarily be at a gig. You know, they might have had a long day at work, they might feel a bit, eh, and they do just want to have They might a, not be enjoying it. No, yeah. Whereas <laughs> a festival, people are just like coming and going, just being like, yeah, yeah it's, it's all very cool. Yeah. And it does, so that atmosphere combined with the fact that the sound just evaporates into the air, uh, yeah, I can see that. It's a different, different relationship mm-hmm. with the audience. What's your favourite festival? Uh, well, I, I don't go to festivals uh, if I'm not playing. I hate crowds. Like, I hate being part of a crowd. Mm-hmm. They, uh, I, I get really freaked out really, really quickly. Excuse me. Um, but I had a lot of fun when we played at uh, Belladrum a few years back. Mm-hmm. That was, uh, there was just something. That was, everything about that, that day was great. You know, the weather was amazing. We've had a great, good show. There's a lot of... I'm, I'm, I think you were playing that, so you might I was well. going to say, was that two years ago? Um, the weather was amazing. Maybe three years ago. Three, gosh. Yeah. And I think you were playing in one of the, in one of the acoustic stages, because I remember, I think we wandered past while you were playing and popped in for a bit and then wandered off again. And uh, I think we'd got everything we needed done, done by, like, 7 o'clock. Hmm. Because we had like all our sessions were booked in the morning, and then our gig was in kind of late afternoon, and then that was us. And we were mm-hmm. just like, let's have a good time. It was great. I thoroughly enjoyed that. What about you? What's your favourite festival that you played or been to? Mm, I think probably um, Iona Festival. Have you heard about it? I have n- not. So it's on Iona. Um, which is just west of Mull mm-hmm. and it's kind of like the main hall is like a village hall right. that fits I don't know how many people fit in like a few hundred it's quite sort of the the festival site's quite small it's all really intimate and um, it's just like incredible that there's even a festival on that island because it's so beautiful you can go for a swim on the beach and then just like go on stage and then <laughs> yeah it was nice it was good I don't know that's not like quite a lot of there's quite a lot of like wee festivals around like up north and around the highlands and I mean we did Hep Kelp before as well which is another lovely one mm-hmm. uh, again beautiful weather just really nice I've not been there yet uh, yeah there's I like go north Belladrum you know, there's so many festivals in Scotland, isn't there? But... We've got one coming up in August, which is a really bizarre one. It's just like it's in Shetland. It's like this uh they have like a rock metal festival in really? Shetland. Yeah. No way. Yeah. I, I that's gonna be great fun. <laughs> you know. Shetland's like a, a cold Ibiza. Yeah. It's so <laughs> far away, but there's not much else to do there, but crazy you know, play hardcore partying and, and get you know every and party. night. I loved it there. I played a few shows. I've never been up there, but I'm looking forward to it. It's great. It's amazing. The uh, the gig I did was in the Mareel, right? And the Carnegie Hall with Adam Holmes. Uh, we had a, a great time. Just partied every night. <laughs> every time you looked away, there'd be like a new like whiskey in front of you, like a new beer and everybody played the fiddle <laughs> at the party. I felt really left out. Just everybody knew how to play folk music. 
It's amazing. Does it just go from like the gig to you end up somewhere else and there's a session going on and everyone's drinking and then yeah. a rotating? It's all a blur. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Celtic connections all year round. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Oh, uh, well, I'm definitely looking forward to going up there then. What's the strangest place you've ever played a show? Strangest? No, I don't mean like geographically, I mean like the actual kind of venue. Oh, um... I'm not sure, like, there's only one that really sticks out. And it's this place in Belgium I went to. Um, Because, like, if I play a gig, I always try and, like, take positive thing away from it of course you know even if it's difficult or whatever if i'm not feeling into it try and sort of i don't i try and not hold on to like the worst parts of yeah the worst aspects of the venue or that kind of thing but there was a venue in belgium where i walked onto the stage and um jimmy the guy that i was with was kind of setting up the sound and um I was like standing there for ages, just kind of patiently waiting to start singing and then put my mouth onto the microphone and I got this massive, I don't know, it probably wasn't an electric shock because I would have like fallen over mm-hmm. or well, been like ill static. or something. It was a huge static shock. It really hurt. It's like my whole face. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it was an electric shock. It sounds like an electric shock. <laughs> and I was like, ah, that seems to stuck in my memory, it's like traumatised me <laughs> for like now every time I go in a venue or like anywhere with a microphone I sort of touch it first and tap it and then yeah. remind myself not to <laughs> get too close to it I went to see uh, a number of years ago I went to see Russian Circles playing in the Captain's Rest the old Captain's Rest mm-hmm. and the, their set was played by 45 minutes because this, one of the guys kept getting electric shocks off the mic yeah, it was. Really? It was just that they couldn't get rid of it. Just what? Why does that happen? Is it when they've not unearthed? The... Uh, sometimes it's the, you know, it's something on the desk, or the desk isn't earthed properly, or if, even if the earth cable's broken, they the mic uh, yeah. cable, or there's something in the mic that's not connected right. Yeah. So many different possibilities. It's an expensive thing to maintain for smaller venues, I think. Everything about maintaining a venue can be expensive. Mm. Just from, you know, just employing your sound engineers to keep the gear and, you know, making sure everything's working isn't going to kill anybody. Yeah, there's that too. (laughs) But you're a sound engineer, right? I have done some sound engineering, yeah. I wouldn't necessarily class myself as a sound engineer, but I have done bits and pieces of it, yeah just picked it up yeah from selling the stuff and then working with it through that and then getting work because people knew I sold it yeah and, you know and then just being in here uh-huh. no actual training so I make a lot of mistakes but I like, I like to think I learn from them that's cool you know so let's I keep picking up these wee things that I've taken off my guitar and moving them about I don't know why my fidget. This is a real problem. I'm going to put them down here and we're going to forget about them. So, you're just back from 
tour with Chris Draver. Can How you was turn that? one of the lights off? Can we turn one of the lights off? Can I turn one of the lights off? Yeah. I just woke up about half an hour ago. Do you want me to stick it? I can stick. We can stick a like a lamp on and turn the main lights off. That's really bright. Oh yeah, that's a nice lamp. Yeah, we like to have vibe options in here for recording and, and stuff like that. Oh yeah. I'd like a vibe option just on my life. <laughs> Just dial it back a bit. Always, yeah. It'd be a, it'd be great if they had that on the subway. Oh, God, <laughs> yeah. or buses, just like a nice lava lamp in the corner that you can. Well, I because I go through Edinburgh quite a lot. I like at night. You know, they turn the lights off on the bus. That's great. But like on a train, they never do that, which it really annoys me. Sometimes you want that on a train as well. It's like, <laughs> can you just turn the main lights off? I want to get some sleep. Yeah. Yes, so tour with Chris Dreaver, that's what I've just done. How was that? It was fantastic, yeah, it was great. Just um, travelling around England, seeing lots of, like, villages and stuff I'd never heard of, like Ramsbottom, (laughs) (laughs) where Elbow are from. Do you know that? I didn't know Elbow are from Ramsbottom. Yeah. It's actually a really nice place. I don't know why I'm saying that as if I was surprised. Well, our, our last tour, we ended up in uh, in Colchester, and I'd never been to Colchester before. No, where's that? And we had a wonderful time in Colchester. It's in Essex. Okay. Uh, we had a great show, and one of the best shows of the whole tour, and we're just like, this is weird. <laughs> Bumped into a guy, a guy I hadn't seen for 10 years. It's like, you live in Colchester now? He's like, yeah. <laughs> really? Like, no way. Whoa. Someone from Glasgow? No, from Aberdeen. Before I even moved to Glasgow. Crazy. Yeah. What was he doing in Colchester? Apparently just moved there. Just soaking up the vibes in Colchester. Yeah. It's a very vibey place. Well, usually when I go on tour, I end up feeling in one of the places that I visit, like, oh, I could just move here. Mm-hmm. I could just live here. And on this one, I didn't really. I was kind of more of like, I felt more like a tourist on this tour. Because I was listening to an audiobook about British history right. while I was travelling around England. So some cool stuff happened. Like, I got into a bit about Leicester in my audiobook just as I was arriving into Leicester. <laughs> On the train, or I went past Ely outside Cambridge um, just as they were talking about the cathedral in Ely in my audiobook. So I felt like it was a different experience. Up. Yeah. That's pretty cool. It's basically so that I can initiate some kind of conversation at each venue mm-hmm. with the sound engineer. Like, oh, so I've been listening <laughs> to the history of like something about like Cambridge University or something like that, and then chat about it. And then I'm like, okay, I've done my small talk, got it out the way, <laughs> carry on with the gig now. You use that when you're talking to the to the audience. Then. So I've just discovered this about your town today. I'm not there yet. No. <laughs> I'd like to, but it'd be weird because it'd be like if you said that to an audience, there wouldn't be much like opportunity for them to reply. So yeah. it wouldn't be a conversation. So I'd be 
really worried that it come across as patronising. Uh, I feel like you're just teaching them probably quite mundane facts about <laughs> <laughs> their own city. Yep, yeah, we know <laughs> yeah. your point. <laughs> I could just talk about Glasgow for a bit. Just feel like before I play my next song, I'd like to tell you two interesting facts about Glasgow. Take them on a guided tour of Glasgow so they can imagine it, mm-hmm. even though they're, they're nowhere near. That would be interesting. What would you tell an audience about Glasgow? Uh, oof, I would just avoid uh, Socky Hall Street on a Saturday night. <laughs> Fair enough. For the smell alone. It's terrible. <laughs> I hate it. Fair. I really did just try and avoid being in town as much as possible. Because you hate crowds? Well, I hate crowds, so I just can't be bothered going through all the, the drunken mess that is Glasgow City Centre on a Friday or Saturday night. I like doing my doing my drinking on less busy days. Hmm. Me too. It's it's more fun that way, I think. I think so. It's yeah. kind of like... It's sort of like at high school when you'd, I wouldn't go into like the main lunch hall. Mm-hmm. I'd go out on the lawn or something with like a few other alternative types. Alternative types. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just imagining you like dressed up as a total goth now, you I, know, I, with your big baggy jeans and your... I was never a total goth. I was more like half a goth, depending on what day it was of the week. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like a weird, awkward mishmash of like mosher and goth, like a mosh goth. But with a tiny bit of like chav as well, <laughs> so like cabba tracksuit bottoms, with like dog chains, <laughs> and I, I, like black I'm, makeup and black hair and things. I'm struggling to picture this, but it's it's, it's hilarious. There are photos of it, like they do exist. But I didn't dress like that every single day. No. But um, I also had this weird sort of football sock. <laughs> combo that was like stripy knee high socks that I right. used to wear to school. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I I'm I'm not judging. I, mean, I had the, the absolute worst worst taste in, in college than many You were a goth. No, not really. No. Were you not? No. You were a mosher. No, not really. I just I had a golfer. No. Golfer. <laughs> Son of a golfer. No. Tweed and. No, God, checked. no. That would have been. That would Jumpers. be interesting. <laughs> no, uh, well, school uniform. We had to wear school uniform, and uh, outside of that, it was it was just stonewashed jeans and t-shirts. I just can't imagine you without a beard. I didn't have a beard until I was in my mid twenties, late twenties. I just don't know. Have you got a photo? Uh, probably. I'm not going to show you. Right. <laughs> I have. I have sported the beard for some. Last time I shaved it off was for my sister's wedding. Oh, that's what? nice. It was about five years ago. Yeah, just yesterday I was sitting on George Square on the grass, um, eating a sandwich or something, and walk, watching people walk past. And I was just thinking, I wonder what all these young men look like under their beards. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was trying to think, 
it's impossible to know like what kind of jaw they have or what kind of chin or even like the smile and there's something quite nice and mysterious about that I I grew a beard because I don't like the way my jaw looks really yeah and I'm really really not that that fond of how my how my face looks without a beard I think I look weird maybe I'm just hiding I'm just jealous because you've got the option we do have the option that is true but then that also uh, is good because we have much less options when it comes to things like clothes mm. you know mm-hmm. women have so many options and they have all the same options men have and then all their own options and with men this it's is just, true I mean technically yes we could wear anything wanted women's or men's clothes but you know most men wouldn't feel comfortable I'm probably dressed like a guy right now double denim with like men's vans <laughs> although it's from Topshop with the girls bit yeah. honestly it's from the girls bit <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 uh, I was going to say I don't ever sport double denim that's a lie I regularly sport double denim I like a bit of double denim every now and again. I never do as it on purpose. It just as long as it's different kinds, like black, black denim and blue denim. I don't think I do like the full Canadian tuxedo. No, <laughs> that expression. I think I'd like to try a Canadian tuxedo. You have to go jeans, denim shirt, denim jacket. Yeah. All the same kind of denim, same shade. What about denim shoes? That's that's taking it to the next level. That's that's next level Canadian tuxedo and a denim hat. <laughs> denim cap. <laughs> that would be too much denim, I think. I think there is such a thing as too much denim. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm not really into to fashion, to be honest. I um, was contemplating wearing a cape to my last show. Who says that's not fashionable? It's It's just going to be fashionable in the winter, but nobody knows it yet. I'm just ahead of the times. Before the magazines. What? Does the cape have a hood? Yeah, it's got a hood. Like one of those really big... Mm -hmm. Like a a sort of... Like like the old Scottish Widow's adverts. Yeah. Like that. that. That's some proper winter fashion there. Mm. <laughs> Kicking about in the snow, just with this big massive cape. I'd love that. <laughs> That'd be amazing. <laughs> if only I could get away with wearing a cape. I think gentlemen need to be much more dapperly dressed than I am to pull off the, the whole cape thing. But you can get, you get those tweed capes mm-hmm. that men wear in the countryside, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like a sort of overcoat that's like, it's almost like a poncho. Yeah, but again, I think you need to be pretty much country gentleman dressed to pull off one of those. Like, I couldn't wear it with my double denim. It wouldn't work. (laughs) A denim cape. A denim cape. Oh, there we go. Sorted. That's, That's, yeah. Gonna be on my Christmas wish list. For the rest of my life, <laughs> until I get one. <laughs> I think the only time I've ever owned a cape was uh, when I was knee-high to a grasshopper and I had a 
had Superman pajamas and they had little buttons on the shoulders uh-huh. and a cape you could attach to it. Amazing. So you could run around pretending you were Superman. Which sounds that was, great. That was great. Uh, the 80s were a much more innocent time. Mm. I wouldn't know. No, you wouldn't. I'm only 19. Ah, uh, you youngins. Ah, <laughs> uh, right. Oh, I've run out of coffee. That's That's a shame. So, if we take things back a bit, what what was the first instrument you started learning? So I know you you play guitar and you play piano, mm-hmm. and you sing beautifully. What Thanks. was your first foray into making music? Um, like writing music? Do you mean? No, just just, just making music, music of any kind. Like what first? I think that my granny left a piano in our house one day when I was about seven. I can't remember exactly, but I think I just sort of started to play it and just was really drawn to the instrument. And from that day on, it just consumed my life. <laughs> like, I sort of started with that and then moved on to the cello. My piano teacher taught me singing at the same time and theory, and then my dad had a guitar. And I, I wanted to play bass in a band. I was in a band called Lost. And uh, we did covers of Foo Fighters and System of a Down. <laughs> <laughs> oh and God, also American amazing. Hi-Fi. Is it American that's, Hi-Fi System? American Hi-Fi, yeah. Just American and Hi-Fi. just American Hi-Fi. Just threw a little bit of that in the mix as well. And um, this is this is this is this is a revelation. This is this is brilliant. Why? <laughs> I just can't imagine you playing bass play, for like System of a Down covers. That's wearing fantastic. dog chains and stuff. That's amazing. Um, yeah, I was really into like heavier music when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. At the same time as doing like really classical music, and then just kind of I always saw songwriting as something completely separate from that. So I'd kind of spend the whole day sort of doing cello or piano um, scales and pieces and working towards exams. Mm -hmm. Or doing like band stuff with friends and then I'd kind of steal away on my own and write songs on the guitar. And I just saw that as a totally separate... I saw that more of a sort of way of life than just a part of who I was than something that I would do, if that yeah. makes sense. No, it makes perfect sense. Just kind of came so naturally. And I, I never had, like, thing, exams or, like, things, any constraints or even performances around songwriting, so I think I always felt like that was my sort of freedom and liberating exercise. You obviously didn't have to please other people, like within a band, or it wasn't all purely technical for your for your exams. It was just this was the part of you that was just you. I think so, yeah. And it's it's important to have that in music. I think no matter if you've gone through a lot of training or if you're more self-taught, it's important to recognise 
and to put your finger on what it is within your playing or your writing that's the most authentic. Mm-hmm. And that's my opinion, but at the end of the day, I think that's the, that's the thing that you'll remember when you're old and telling your grandkids about it. And that's what, when you try and teach people about stuff, that's what you can pass on mm-hmm. to them. And it's almost like everything else is just a, a tool. And then, you know, like a little... That cog in the works so what after after the the school and your uh, foray into metal covers uh, <laughs> where, what, where did you go after after that you, you spent some time in, uh, in France didn't you before France I was accepted into this like classical music school in Edinburgh right and um then went to France um, just on a gap year and then just stayed there for five years because I liked it because it was sunny and I got signed by a label and stuff and all of that kind of lots of life changing things happened and I was 18 so I was just doing so many things for the first time like I got my first flat there and got a boyfriend got a job, got a label, like all these kind of amazing things that I'd been looking forward to mm-hmm. throughout my whole adolescence that I'd been anticipating happening just kind of all happened at once and through that I just kind of rejected in a sense all of my like classical sort of history and just focused on pop music. Mm-hmm. Because I just, I remember sort of sitting down one day, just thinking, I'm just going to have fun now and enjoy myself. And what can I do that will enable me to like go to the most parties and (laughs) (laughs) basically (laughs) keep on doing, repeating this kind of lifestyle for as long as possible. Because that's what I was interested in at that time. So you find some pop music? Yeah, just, yeah, pop music songwriting, that kind of thing. Really enjoyed it. Had a blast. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> what brought you back brought you back across the water then? Um I think I'd had my fun and after four years I started to think, this is great but I'm I'm not French and mm-hmm. I'm still in France and I started weighing out my life differently and thinking how much of this is good for me and how much of this is bad for me and where do I want to be in 10 years and what kind of a life do I want to live and, you know, completely different questions to, like, when I was 16 or 18. I wasn't trying to escape France when I left. I think I was consciously kind of building towards something a bit more um, substantial Mm -hmm. so I kind of moved back and thought I'm just gonna settle on one city that I love and just write music that feels really authentic more like before Mm -hmm. like when I was a teenager and that's what I've been doing for the last couple of years 
So in a lot of ways, I'm a lot more happy and settled doing that now than I was in France. Mm -hmm. Although it was crazy and really fun. I couldn't have kept that up for... That kind of stuff inevitably runs its course. Yeah. There's only so I've, I've done the, the, the partying thing and it's it does get to the point and like these days I'm just like, you know, I, I, that's the last thing I want to do is go to <laughs> go, <laughs> go a party. I make exceptions for good people like yourself. I don't <laughs> right. like going to parties in general, but occasionally um, it's, it's nice to get out. These days I like hosting parties. Well, you're very good at in it. My, <laughs> Or dinner parties. Yeah. Like doing dinner parties and sad things like playing piano duets or <laughs> doing yoga in the garden. Oh, you and my girlfriend get on really well. Yeah, how is she? She's good. She's good. She's uh, she's very big into her yoga. Yeah. Uh, keeps trying to get me to do it. I know, I've been using her app. She told me about an app. That's unsurprising. She does like to talk about uh, her, her yoga. And it's she, really good. She likes to meet like-minded people and convert non-like-minded people to yoga. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so she converted you? Do you do it? No, oh, no, I do not. Yeah, right. I You're just not admitting it. No, I did yoga with her once and I'm not going to do it again, I don't think. She has been trying to get me to, to do Bikram. Oh, yeah. I've done that. Oh, I, I can't stand the heat and I don't want to do yoga <laughs> you know, so it's like the worst of all possible worlds for me <laughs> Bikram's kind of weird because there's so many people in one room and mm -hmm. everybody's so hot so you've got like somebody's bum in your face basically when you're bending over to like touch your toes or something it's just like sweaty thighs and like the, the smile that sounds <laughs> awful, awful. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, that sounds terrible. Somehow, by some miracle, you come out feeling amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's, like, really elated when they step out the room. Maybe just the sheer relief of being allowed to escape. <laughs> I would imagine so, because it, it sounds awful. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I've, I've, I've said that to her as well. So it sounds like the furthest thing from anything that I would ever want to do. You know, yoga in an exceptionally hot place. No thanks. The um apparently it needs to be hot so your muscles are relaxed enough to move. Right. Around. I'm sure there's a reason behind it. I just don't care. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> so what is this yoga app? What does it what does it do? Does it take you through all your tells you, explains to you what to how to move and what to do, so you've got like diagrams and stuff, like somebody's doing it. I just like kind of having a voice there, like a teacher or an app that's like really soothing and like, I don't even know. <laughs> don't Does it have like nice really. relaxing music behind it as well? I'd, uh, maybe a little bit. <laughs> Generally speaking, music for like those kind of things is quite sort of predictable isn't it oh yeah it's like droning didgeridoo type yeah sort of very monotonous it's meant to be isn't it because it's meant to make you meditate yeah so you're not supposed to be thinking about the music but there's these tiny little 
like phasey bits or like tiny little bits where it kind of what's it called when something's like yeah it's kind of like a like a phaser or flanger when it's it's like opens up the filter and then closes back yeah the filter yeah would you say it would phase the filter sorry yeah you know what i mean i know what you mean yeah um I'm making a hand action, like twisting a button, yeah. <laughs> like, mm. like on a cord. Yeah. Yeah. There's always like little, tiny nuances like that that really <laughs> <laughs> don't. It's not meditative. You just go. So what do they put take, on that? Take you out of the zone. I went Whistle for a massage drone. and they had uh, it was like some chill out CD. And it was it was great actually. It was just everything was very very chilled out. Yeah. And then halfway through it, like some version of the garbage song "Milk" came on. I was like, <laughs> no way. I love that song. It's so good. And I was like, <laughs> lying there. Amazing. This is this is awesome. This is amazing. You've got a nice life. I remember that. Going for massages. I I, so I went for one massage <laughs> to sort out this fucked up back. Jealous never done that I'd recommend it I mean it certainly helped me uh, and it was it lasted for an hour and it felt like it was only 20 minutes it was super relaxing cool I wouldn't normally do that kind of thing but you know I'm forced into new experiences by my significant other because oh. because she loves me and wants to force me into new experiences <laughs> 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 Sounds good. That are good for me. <sighs> that sounds terrible as though she makes me do stuff I don't want to do. <laughs> no, I get it. It's a nice sentiment. Yes, she was looking out for me. Um. Yeah. So what's next? What's next on the on the cards for you? More touring, recording. I've just been working a lot on piano recently, just trying to get better. I'm going to sit my grade eight in the near future. Just been practicing that a lot. Um, because I've been recording and, and stuff for ages and I'm at one of those, I mean, it's been about a year. I've been working, that's what I mean by ages. It's been working, lots of work in progress. Yeah. And so, now I'm at a stage where I'm just making a few decisions about what to do and where to go. So, very excited, but it's always difficult to like talk about what you're about to do just in case it doesn't happen. Oh no, I'm I'm <laughs> fully aware of that. The number of times I've just gotten really excited about something that has just not happened. I know. The um, I've just. I sort of just think about like songwriting just a sort of step by step process mm -hmm. like once I'm happy with with the demos once I'm happy with the writing make the demo, once I'm happy with the demos make the recording once I'm happy with the recording, that kind of yeah. process sometimes I think takes a month and then other times takes a year Yeah. or a day or Ten years, or there's. It's the hardest part I think about the, the this job is that there is no 
there is no formula hmm. for making a good record or writing a good song. Mm-hmm. It's like I am very happy with songs that I have literally go, have gone from idea to finished product in a day mm-hmm. and there's stuff that is taking me you know a year later I'm still working on and I'm still yeah. getting sorted and it's there isn't a way of there's no shortcut I know life would be so boring if there was though wouldn't it yeah if you could just sit down and write a record and then write another record yeah, if there were some kind of formula for the perfect pop song, but I suppose that's what some people strive to do mm-hmm. and successfully kind of exploit that side of music and harmony. Basically, it seems to me, just by reducing everything to an absolute minimum. Yeah. Like, just having sort of repetitive riffs. You think about Lady Gaga and things. The same thing like over that. and over again, and then. Poker face. Seems like a riff now has just become like one or two notes, and then a layer of of production behind it that's really technically brilliant and made by complete masters of that art. Mm-hmm. To me, it just seems like this weird kind of overproduced minimalist music mm-hmm. that some people think is an earworm. An earworm? You know what I mean? <laughs> like the riff is like meant to stick in your head. I, I think it, it is. <laughs> That's what they're designed for. That It's a bit like going to Ikea and saying, how do we make the smallest chair? Not wait. That's a really bad example. Not really <laughs> small. Ch- I just need. How do we make chair. the world's tiniest chair <laughs> so it can fit in the palm of your hand? Slovenian <laughs> families. Some- <laughs> Something small. You know what I mean. <laughs> how do we make the, the the? How do we use the least amount of materials to make a functioning chair? Um, and fit it into the smallest possible space. Yeah, maybe it's like a more like a poster from IKEA. Mm-hmm. You know, how do we make a a small visual, um, decorative object, very cheap? Well, not necessarily cheap to create, but cheap to manufacture, and then easily sort of digestible by everybody who can mm-hmm. see it. Like nothing too demanding I don't know if I'm undermining Lady Gaga's work right now I'm in no way qualified to do that and I can't really justify it I just think it's um, a weird way that music's been progressing in the last few years it's what I've certainly noticed is that uh, obviously I can't speak for American pop music because uh, all I know is what sometimes what we get over here Mainly, I just don't listen to pop music, but there was so much in, you know, in the nineties when I was a teenager. There was just, there was loads of bands. Yeah. You know, there was a lot of bands, and yeah, there was pop stuff, but there was a lot more, you know, instrumentation. Okay. On the on the records, like you know, there was guitars on pop records, 
mm-hmm. you know it was it seems like there's less of that now than it is just synths and and drum machines there's you know yeah. obviously some people still use like people will tour with bands and stuff like that and they'll throw the odd guitar track on things but it's you know quite it's computerized now isn't it yeah very very much so uh not that I've got anything against computerized music you know I do computerized music a lot Mm. myself but that's just out of necessity because I don't know how to play the drums I think it's all it all depends on the individual piece of music Mm -hmm. and you can create beauty through any kind of electronic or computerised system Mm -hmm. like whatever it is if it's some kind of plug-in or if it's a synthesizer or just an amp or I don't know but that sometimes that authentic sound of like a human voice mm-hmm. or I think the voice is the best example of like something very human and very authentic being manipulated in such a way that it becomes what I would describe as ugly right in my opinion yeah because I think that that natural sense of playing music that's like representative of human emotion is lost when it's really compressed and really auto-tuned and when the dynamic range is completely taken out of something yeah. and it becomes a sort of straight line from the f- this first second to the l- two minutes and 59th second of the song yeah no I know, ex- I know exactly what you mean uh, it's, it's, it's an odd one and the dynamics seems to be the main thing that suffers. You know, there, there is... If you look at the the actual wave files of a lot of these songs, it is almost just a block, you know, that everything's hitting, mm-hmm. you know, the right marks the whole way along. It doesn't really drop down, to, even when it does things, there's still enough level to keep it up. And that's... A lot of that's to do with, you know, how... Uh, how the radio works as well, obviously, they stick everything through a multi-band compressor before they before it goes out so everything's just already compressed now it's a uh, I don't know uh, I don't know maybe um, I I'm just I like that that's an evolution of sounds and I respect that area of of work and people who decide to you know mm-hmm. create new sounds and, and things like that and that style I have so much respect for but I'll always kind of prefer, just because I've got a classical upbringing, Mm -hmm. folk music and and stuff like that, it's my favourite kind of music, I'll always prefer the sound of a real human voice, or the wooden sound of a violin that's been made by a tree. Mm -hmm. Even though like, a guitar has been made by a tree, so maybe even, is that sound desk being made by, is that wooden, what is that? There is wood on the sound desk, yeah. I'll always just prefer that kind of hands-on, mm-hmm. man-made sound, but that's much closer to nature. Yeah, there's certainly a lot to be a lot to be said for it. There's a lot to be said for the convenience of modern technology. So I kind of like to use the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, I like to both have my cake and eat it. <laughs> but then. Who 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 doesn't like to have their cake and eat it? Oh, well, 
Uh, how far are we on? Oh, we've done a good three quarters of an hour. That's, uh, well, you said you didn't talk Flew a lot. Flew by. I you don't were, talk a lot. You were lying to me. <laughs> well, thank you for coming in and uh, and chatting with me for the uh, this this here there podcast. Uh, where can people follow what you're up to on the the internet? On my Facebook page. Just it's Siobhan Wilson on Facebook. Siobhan. Yes, Siobhan Wilson. Siobhan Wilson. Yes. Are you on like the 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 Twitters? I'm I'm on the Twitter sphere as um, at Siobhan is back. At Siobhan is back. Do I follow you on Twitter? I'm not sure. I do. I probably should. Probably I'm not on Twitter as much. I don't really like it that much. Occasionally I'm on, but I find it sort of is something I occasionally go on on my phone, but not really on my laptop. No. I'm more of an Instagram. Yeah. Same here. Like I've got like OCD on Instagram every time I wake up in the morning. Like within like five minutes, I'm like, "What's happened on Instagram?" What what kind of who who do you follow on Instagram? Um, cats on synthesizers in space. <laughs> do you know I have it? to find that. Cats on synthesizers in space. Uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah. there's an actual page just devoted to cats on synthesizers in space. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> Also, just a bunch of like painters and stuff. There's this, there's an artist, Kirsty. Uh, what's her second name? Witten. She's really cool. I follow a dog called Gizmo. <laughs> it's so cute. It's the cutest dog I've ever seen. Like. Oh my god, that's <laughs> that's adorable. And uh. The Staves, they've got good posts. Yeah, I follow, I follow the Staves as well. They've been, uh, they've been doing pretty well. And just a bunch of like historic, like historic Scotland and like old photos from Britain There's and so stuff much like on that. there. I, I unfortunately most of what I follow is uh, like guitar, like custom guitar companies and pedal companies. <laughs> So I just wake up in the morning and look through what what's it what's everybody been working on this week? So, ooh, what can I not afford to buy this week? Oh, all these custom beautiful custom built guitars and it's like oh. <laughs> dribbling. Oh yeah, it's like like core guitars and Banning and Nystrom and all that. It's like these companies that just build the most beautiful guitars, but you're talking, you know, four figure minimums to to get one yeah know, plus a waiting time to actually get it built i've got a friend who posts stuff like that but about bikes just like beautifully <laughs> made custom built bikes and i'm now ne- i never really i've never been into it but i just like them anyway i'm like that looks like a nice i wonder what else there is and it's probably people do like beautifully custom built just you know whatever you know anything there'll be Chairs, tables, beds, and I don't know, like prosthetic legs. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. Somebody who does custom built prosthetic wigs. legs. Wigs. Oh god, there must be so many wigs. Um, like that's cat cats on synthesizers in space. <laughs> that's it. Um, I'm gonna start following cats on synthesizers in space on Instagram. So before we go, uh. What have you been listening to recently that's uh, that's floating your boat? Um, 
lots of perfume genius. I've never listened to who or what is perfume genius. He, he is or they are. I'm not sure if it's him and musicians or if they're a band. Um, an American sort of soft pop band. Right. Um, it's just really nice, like gorgeous, romantic, really reverby vocals oh, onto piano. Nice. But it's dead original. Cool. And um, his visuals are really good. He's got a good, strong Instagram page <laughs> if you're interested. It's one of these people that the only reason I've ever heard the name is uh, seeing posters up in the studio for when he was playing a show in Glasgow. Perfume Genius? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I would have loved to see that. I didn't. That's I'm not idea when it was. Spend enough time around these posters, you forget when you see them all. It's like yeah. all these people tell me about all these bands or artists. I'm like, I know their name. Where did I know their name from? Oh, yeah, I sat and looked at the a wall. poster of that <laughs> for like a month solid. Yeah. Without registering it. Um, Sharon Van Etten mm-hmm. as well. A lot of her. But I've just, I've not listened to much music in the last few weeks. I've been listening to audiobooks instead. Historical. Um, Anna Karenina. Oh, that um, Tolstoy. Yeah. I can never get into Tolstoy. That's why I'm listening to the audiobook. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> It's easier. Yeah, I imagine. I tried I tried reading Tolstoy, I couldn't. Which one? War and Peace? No, no, God, no, no, no. Uh, I think it was Anna Karenina. Uh, I just couldn't get into it. Because I really enjoyed uh, Dostoevsky, I thought, well, I'll give, I'll give Tolstoy a chance. But I just... Uh, I just couldn't, couldn't do it. There's a, there's a cool um, podcast. It's called something like... The History of Britain in a Thousand Objects. Right. So it's just 15 minute little snippets into the history of uh, history of the world. Nice. It's I good. like that kind of stuff. Anyway. Anyway, <laughs> Siobhan, thank you for coming in Thanks and chatting me. to me. Uh, thank you all for listening and we will see you next time on the HelloFi podcast. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> Hello. And that was Siobhan Wilson Wasn't she just lovely Thank you for joining us once again I wish I could tell you who the next guest is going to be But I just don't know I've been very lazy recently So until then Keep it low for me